This is episode number 232 of the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. Welcome to Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD, where women who are confused and worried about their type 2 diabetes come to learn strategies to fix it. I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. Ladies, if you know you are capable of doing badass things at work and for your family, but you're frustrated with why you can't seem to stop eating the chocolate cake, this podcast is for you. Let's talk. Hey there, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me today and spending some time working on your health, devoted to your health today. I don't think we frequently take time to thank ourselves for doing the things, for making the salads, for getting up and doing the exercise first thing in the morning, for not or for not saying yes, for saying no, for bypassing the chocolate cake. That last one's a hard sell and I get that. But if you're not thanking yourself, I want to be the one today to say thank you. Thank you for taking care of yourself. Thank you for spending some time with me to work on your health today. I think that we need to thank ourselves more for that each and every day. So I am recording with a new setup here. I am praying it all is working well and okay. It's been kind of a learning curve, a technology learning curve for me to um, get this new setup put together and put together correctly. So if you can hear my dogs, I'm sorry. If this breaks out for some reason, and when I go to edit it, I find that like halfway through it wasn't there, I'm going to have to record again later. I am live on YouTube right now. So if um, you're listening there and it breaks out, recognize that it may be re-recorded um, at a future time. So I, today we are going to talk about, I'm going to jump into what we're going to talk about. Today we are going to talk about kind of the basics of getting started. Um, it's the new year. We're starting, you know, most people are like recommitting to their health. And I think that makes tons of sense. So it makes a lot of sense to kind of start with the basics of what to do to reverse your type two diabetes. Before we get started, I have a few things. One, I want to remind you that if you are on medications to be very careful making the changes that I recommend in these episodes. If you have been medicated for your diabetes, you have been medicated because of the way you have eaten in the past. If you change the way you've eaten or you, if you change the way you eat in the future from that way that you were eating when you started your meds, you're going to need to change those meds. If you don't, you can end up very sick, the kind of sick that looks like a hospitalization or at worst case scenario, death. So I need you to call your provider who gave you those meds. You need to tell them, hey, I'm going to make some dietary changes. I want to know how you want me to send my blood sugar logs to you so that then you can make some changes to my blood sugar medications for me. That's what you need to say to them. And they're going to tell you how to send them your logs. And they're going to tell you how you can expect to receive information and feedback about what meds you need to start going down on the dose or coming off of entirely. Okay. Get that line of communication open with your provider. It's very important to stay safe as you make these changes. Second thing I want to tell you about, we have, or I have developed a 14 days to better blood sugar guide. This guide is going to give you everything that you need to see better blood sugars in just two weeks. Okay. I'm going to give you the website for it because you can go there and you can download it. When you go to this website, you're going to put in your email address. That email is going to, that is going to be put on my mailing list. You're going to get all the information about upcoming webinars, upcoming events that I have 
going on, anything that I have for you to get help reversing your type 2 diabetes is going to be announced in those emails. So you're going to give the email to get that um, better blood sugar guide that will take you to the guide. It will open up immediately. It won't be emailed to you. It will just open up a link to it and you'll go to it and you'll get the guide and you can print it off or save that link, whatever you want. But giving me your email is going to then put you on my email list so you can get future announcements. If you don't want to be on that email list, the first email you get, you can unsubscribe to it, okay? So here's the website, https colon forward slash forward slash site, that's S-I-T-E dot delaneMD, that's D-E-L-A-N-E-M-D dot com forward slash better hyphen blood hyphen sugars, Okay. That's the link. Again, https colon forward slash forward slash site dot delaynmd.com forward slash better hyphen blood hyphen sugars. That will get you to that blood sugar guide, that 14-day guide. That 14-day guide is going to give you, I mean, it's literally, it's menus. It's day one, breakfast, lunch, dinner menu. Day two, breakfast, lunch, dinner menu. It's real straightforward. Eat these foods and you will see better blood sugars. If you're medicated, be very careful. This is a very powerful tool. It's a very low carb count. But if you've thought like, no matter what I eat, I can't change my blood sugars. My diet doesn't seem to have a big player in this. I don't know what else to do. This guide is going to give you evidence about whether that's true or not. If you follow this guide to the T for 14 days and you do not see better blood sugars, I want you to set up a reversal assessment call, a reverse your diabetes assessment call with me. You can do that. You can email me, Delane at Delane MD to set that up, but set up a call with me so that we can figure out what else is going on and get you some clarity about how to go forward. Okay. If you find that, yeah, these, this guy definitely lowers your blood sugars, but you're having a hard time sticking to it. That is what I help you with. I help women in my group who are badasses in a hundred other areas of their life, and they know that their relationship with food and their cravings and their desires for these foods that are making them sick is what's keeping them from normalizing their A1C and reversing their diabetes. I help women with that. So there is help for you also, okay? As always, if you have any questions, you can email me at delane at delanemd.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, delanemd, that's the hat or the my name, my name everywhere. Um, you can find me anywhere with that. Lastly, I have an ask. I have a favor to ask of you. If you have found benefit from this podcast, if you've been listening for a while, or if you've just started listening and implementing some of these strategies and you started to see amazing results, I wonder if you would leave me a rating. Give me a like, a thumbs up, a five-star review, whatever it is. Leave me a like and a rating on your podcast player. The more ratings and the more reviews this podcast gets, the more people see it, the more it gets put in front of other people. If you find that you have had benefit from this, others will also recognize insulin resistance. The main cause of type 2 diabetes in America is insulin resistance and insulin resistance affects nine out of 10 Americans. So nine out of 10 of the people that you know are likely affected by this. They need to know about this podcast. And the more that you tell people, the more that you like it, the more that you review it, the more that you share it, the more other people can hear that they do not have to be sick. They do not have to be tied to the American quote unquote healthcare system. People need to hear this. I could ask you to help me get that word out. That would be great. 
All right, so today we are going to talk about the basics. Part of that involves reviewing insulin resistance. So what is insulin resistance? Insulin resistance is the cause of type 2 diabetes in 99% of cases, period, end of sentence. Insulin resistance is when your cells are exposed to insulin, which is a hormone in our body. That hormone is meant to open up your cells and bring glucose in so your cells can burn it off as energy. That glucose is meant to be a fuel for your body and insulin helps your cells use the fuel, okay? Insulin resistance is when your cells stop responding to it. Your cells stop responding to the insulin. They are resistant to the effect of insulin. They are resistant to the message of insulin. They are resistant to opening up and bringing glucose inside and burning the glucose as fuel. That is insulin resistance, okay? What causes insulin resistance then becomes the next question, right? Overexposure to insulin is one cause of insulin resistance. So insulin blocking the receptor on the outside of the cell. So if you think about this um, kind of as a, I don't know, if you think of insulin as, you know, the carrier or the uh, message to open the doors for, say, a, I don't know, the mall, right? Like it's time to open the doors for the mall so that people can come in and shop, right? Insulin is the, you know, manager that's saying, hey, it's time to open up. And it has to get that message to the people who actually open the doors. Well, if insulin is always there giving that message, the doors become immune or numb, or they just don't hear that message. And so they don't open the doors, which means the fuel doesn't come inside. The glucose does not come inside. And that allows that glucose to climb really high on the outside of the cell. And that's what we pick up as type 2 diabetes. That's what we pick up in laboratory drawings as type 2 diabetes. Another great way that I like to use to explain insulin resistance is talking about noise in our ears, right? So if you think of a room full of children and say you have a room full of five children, and when they make a noise, you can be very responsive to that small amount of noise and you can do whatever it's asking, right? Whatever the child's asking for. So if you've got five kids sitting at a table and you're watching them and one starts wiggling in their chair and they're, you know, age five through eight, and you're like, hey, do you need to go to the bathroom? And the kid's like, yeah, I totally need to go to the bathroom. Thanks. And you send them to the bathroom. If they're working on a puzzle and another kid cocks their head funny and looks confused, you can be very responsive to that very subtle message that's coming from that child. And you can say, hey, do you need help with that puzzle? And they say, yeah, I totally need help with that puzzle. Thanks. And you can help them. If you have five kids, it's very easy to be responsive to small communication, subtle communication cues from these kids. If you have a room of 50 kids, that's a different story. That's a controlled chaos. There is going to be a low level of noise in that room all the time from those kids. And you're not going to be able to decipher individual messages unless they get really loud. And then your ears will hear that message. That kid needs help. I'm going to go help them. But that louder noise causes that baseline level, kind of that controlled chaos in the room to rise to that louder noise level. And then the next kid that needs your attention has to yell even louder to get your attention. That's what insulin resistance is. 
low amount of insulin, your cells are very responsive to even subtle amounts of insulin in your system. When we get a baseline level of insulin that's always present in our system, that causes our pancreas to have to make more insulin in order for our cells to respond to it. And over time, that just ratchets higher and higher and higher until our pancreas is no longer able to spit out enough insulin to overcome our cells' resistance, that lack of understanding, that lack of hearing, quote unquote, the message that insulin is trying to tell our cells. That's insulin resistance. Just like with the noise and the kids, adding more noise to a room full of 50 kids does not fix the problem. It creates more problem. Adding more insulin to insulin resistance does not fix the problem. It creates more of a problem. When you allow 50 children to be taken to individual rooms or parents come pick them up and take them home and you get back down to two or three or four or five kids, that fixes the problem. Lowering the noise level fixes the problem. Lowering your insulin level fixes the problem. That is the issue with overexposure to insulin and too much insulin. Now, another way that we are learning that I am learning, maybe others have known about this forever. I am learning more about it recently is that the internal mechanism, the internal inside of our cell, the mechanism inside of our cell that manages the message of insulin, there can be breakdown or abnormalities there the signaling inside of the cell can get blocked. And understanding what is causing that has been my mission over the last few months. And it's very complicated. I, as you know, having a medical degree and a bachelor's degree in science and all of this you know, formal training in science, and I'm still struggling to understand it. It's not very clear. What it does seem to point to, what the information that I've uncovered at least points to is that the fats in our food is leading to that. And I'm not talking about the fat in grass-raised butter. I'm not talking about the fat that's naturally occurring in cashews and almonds and peanuts. I am talking about industrial oils that are used in processed foods. Okay. This causes abnormal signaling inside the cell which means that the insulin does not open the cell the way it should and bring that glucose inside, okay? So that is caused usually by canola oil or an oil, vegetable oil. Vegetable oil, I heard somebody talking about this and they were like, whoever did marketing for vegetable oil is brilliant. Putting vegetable in front of the oil makes it sound like it's healthy, but it is not. It makes us sick. Seed oils, rapeseed oil is a big one that we talk about, right? So two things are causing our type 2 diabetes and our insulin resistance. Primarily, it is this overexposure to insulin, and that's caused by overexposure to carbohydrates. And recognize when I am talking about diets and carbs, I am not talking, or when I'm talking about carbs in our diet, I am not talking about um fruit. I'm not talking about bananas. I'm not talking about carrots. Nobody got diabetic over their carrot problem. Don't fall into that trap. That is not what I'm talking about. Please, for the love of all that's holy, do not avoid bananas in lieu of pastas and pizza and fries. That is not normal food. Those foods, pastas, the pizza and the fries, 
cause type 2 diabetes. Please do not avoid apples in lieu of granola bars. Granola bars are not healthy. That is not real human food. Nobody got diabetic because of their apple problem. These other processed foods are the issues. Okay. So recognize when I'm talking about carbs, I'm never talking about I'm never telling you to avoid carrots or squash or red and green bell peppers or onions or any of those. Those are carbs, but they are normal carbs that match our biology. Please do not avoid those and instead turn to potato products or cereal or instant rice or any of those things. And I would even offer that most rices, if your cells are already sick with type 2 diabetes, you probably need to avoid even those foods, the rices, which are more of a natural carb, but still very, very processed, especially in the form of um, the instant rices, Okay. Remember, rice is available on the on the floor of the earth, right? Like we can find that on the earth. But if you think about how much energy and effort it takes to harvest rice, you are never eating cups and cups of it at a time. That is not a natural way to eat rice. If your cells are sick, you probably need to avoid rice. You probably need to avoid potatoes. You need to avoid breads and pastas. Are they the devil? No, but for right now, they don't match your biology. The oils that you need to avoid, canola oil, vegetable oil, corn oil, seed oils. Things that are safe are going to be olive oils, um, avocado oil. Olive oil has the best safety evidence behind it. So if you ever have to take, you know, make a guess on one thing, use the olive oil. Recognize our processed foods combine both of these. They combine the carbohydrates and then they add these industrial oils. These processed foods simply do not match our biology. It's truly that simple. Nobody's good. Nobody's bad. Those foods make you sick. It's just what it is. Okay. So what you need to do, friends, you need to read some labels. In fact, you need to read all of the labels. I would not put anything in your mouth. If your cells, if your fasting blood sugar is above 95, I would not be putting anything into your mouth that you haven't read the label on, period, end of sentence. If you've got to go by some guideline, that's the one I would go by. Read the food labels. Look at the carb count on the food labels. Look at the ingredient list almost as importantly as the carb count. Does it have sugar, cane sugar, organic cane sugar? I don't care what it is. Does it have sugar in it? If sugar is in the ingredient list, you probably need to be very skeptical of that food. Fructose syrup, high fructose corn syrup, corn syrup, inverted sugar syrup, sucrose, um, any other syrups, rice syrups, maple syrup, those sorts of things, dextrose, maltodextrin, all of these are different variations on sugar. They're all sugar. Stay away from those. Recognize if there are things on your ingredient list that you don't know what that is, you probably need to avoid it. Again, especially if your cells are already sick, you need to avoid those foods. Look at the fats. If it says corn oil, if it says vegetable oil, if it says rapeseed oil or any seed oil, like safflower seed oil, all of those, canola oil, say no. Those oils are not going, they can be a culprit in your insulin resistance. And again, is it a problem if your cells are healthy and you don't have diabetes and you, you have looked at all your labs and feel really confident in your metabolic health? 
is a corn oil-based food going to be the end of you? No. But if your cells are already sick, you need to avoid those. Um, there are things that are okay fats, right? So palm oils, uh, coconut oils, some of our butters, depending on how the um, cow was raised, right? Like some of those are probably okay. In moderation, they're probably okay. Things that are super safe. Again, olive oil, super safe. Avocado oil, almond oil, those sorts of oils are super safe. When you look at the nuts that you eat, um, on the note of almond, you look at the eating. If you are eating, um, whether it be almonds, if you're eating them roasted, usually roasted means that they've been roasted in peanut oil. And you probably need to avoid that as well because we have it in everything. Probably need to avoid that as well. So once you kind of get clear on what you can eat, right? And I always say, if you're unsure, like you probably have a good idea about what is healthy for you to eat, eat that. I've just given you some guidelines and some information that may up-level that information that you've had in the past, okay? But salads are pretty safe. Nobody got diabetic from a banana problem. Nobody got diabetic from turnip problem. Nobody got diabetic because they're beets, right? And certainly it's not the lettuce and it's not the carrots and it's not the peppers and it's not the cucumbers. Those are not the things that make people sick with type two diabetes. And you probably know that. Avoid the things that you know are a problem. Start there. If you're, if you're having confusion about the rest of it, start there. Do understand if you have confusion and you need some clarity, set up a reverse your diabetes assessment call. You can find that on my website at delanemd.com. You can go to calendly.com forward slash delanemd and you can set it up there. Okay. You can always email me with any questions about that. After you figure out or you start eating in a way that you're like, I believe this is healthy. I'm going to try this out and see how it goes. Then what you do is you collect data. You collect blood sugar readings. If you're using a continuous glucose monitor, they are not precise in their number. They are not accurate in their number, but they do give you a ton of information. They give you some great information about when I eat this food, my blood sugar goes to X. My blood sugar jumps significantly. The actual number that it jumps to is not as relevant as knowing that it makes your blood sugar go up by 100 points. Okay. So, but if you're using a glucometer, the most important thing that you can look at is your fasting blood sugar. Please hear me. If you're shopping for shoes, come back to me. <laughs> Please hear me that your fasting blood sugar will be the slowest to go normal. Your blood sugar before and after meals will go normal very, very quickly, and they are based on what you eat. The fasting blood sugar is based on something else entirely, okay? It will be the last thing that you see go normal, and there is no shock there. Everything has gone exactly how it's supposed to be. Eat the way that you believe to be healthy, you're going to have to do it for 10 to 14 days before you see that fasting sugar normalize. But it is the most information. It's the best information that we have on a glucometer reading about your metabolic health. So you collect data. You start looking at the number of carbs that you're eating. You're eating carbs that you believe are healthy. And then you watch that fasting blood sugar reading. And after 10 days or 14 days of eating that way consistently, then you see, is there a difference in my blood sugar when I started and then 10 or 14 days later? Okay. Carb counting. If you are unmedicated, I want you to shoot for 50 to hundred grams of carbs a day. Sometimes we have to go less, but that's a great place to start. Especially if before now you were eating 200 to 300 grams of carbs per day, hundred grams, may be all you need to do. And that's great to know. 
be very cognizant of the fats that you are eating. If you are eating vegetable fat and a lot of things or vegetable oils and a lot of things, if you are eating canola oil and a lot of things, if you're eating corn oil and a lot of things, get away from that. That is going to be a problem fat for you. These things show up in um, salad dressings and they also so show up in mayonnaise a lot in addition to a bunch of our other processed foods. And again, you are going to have to make these changes for 10 to 14 days without any cheat days. You're going to have to be consistent. And honestly, if you're not consistent for at least 10 days, if you have one day midway through of those 10, 14 days where you lose your marbles and you eat all the things, probably going to have to start over. Not that you undid whatever was healthy by that one day, but you really need consistent health nutrition to go to your cells, you need it consistently to happen for 10 to 14 days before you can determine if that works for your body. Now, if you're eating something every day and your blood sugar shoots up by 150 points, you don't need 10 to 14 days to figure that out. Like that food's a problem, cut that from your life. Real simple. But to see that fasting blood sugar go normal or get lower, you're going to need seven or 10 to 14 days of information to make that determination. Do not fall into the trap of a little is okay. I want you to really commit to 14 days and see what happens to your blood sugars. Okay. Making a plan is helpful because your brain is going to want to shortcut this commitment. Your brain is going to want the sugars. There is nothing wrong with you because you desire the sugar. Do not be confused. There is nowhere else in nature that your brain has been exposed to this sort of sugar, to this sort of stimulus. It does not happen in nature. And our brains do not have a natural way of keeping us safe from that. So you're going to have to make a plan and stick to it. Even when your brain is telling you, you should probably eat the muffin. You should probably eat the donut. A little bit of chocolate will be okay. It's not. And your brain is telling you that because it's exposed to something that's not natural to it. Okay. This is what I help women do guys. This is what the women I work with do. They are already badasses in many other areas of their life. I just help you learn to take control of your food cravings so that you can fix your A1C. If that's something you're interested in, don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can always find me, Delane at DelaneMD.com. Until then, I want you to keep listening, keep avoiding the foods that make you sick, keep making the choice in favor of your health and your vitality and your longevity. I'll be back next week. Bye-bye.